welcome to the Progress with Unity podcast. If you're listening for the second time today, on Wednesday the 18th of November, we've got another special guest lined up, um, who I will reveal shortly, following on from Emil Heskey in this morning's podcast. But in the studio, or the virtual studio tonight, I've got Paul. How are we doing? Evening. Fine, thanks. Adam, how are we doing? Yeah, not so bad, thanks. Hi, hello again. Long time no see. I know, less than 12 hours and I've had the uh, pleasure of... Uh, Speaking to you again. Uh, Barry, how are you doing? Yeah, very well. Thank you, Simon. And um, our, our pleasure to welcome back uh, to the podcast, friend of the podcast, might be collecting her hat-trick ball. Um, we've got Lisa Nandy. Lisa, how are you doing? Um, I'm all right, thanks. Thanks for having me on. No, it's, uh, thank you for coming on, taking your time. Um, I'm going to pass straight over to Barry, um, who's uh, going to, to quiz you, really, on uh, uh, all things Wigan Athletic. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Hi. Uh, right, so we've got this big cloud hanging over us at the moment, the uh, the takeover, and uh, we've got a bid in from a, a Spanish group, shall we say, uh, who's had uh, two extensions to their exclusivity uh, ag- agreement with the administrators, and uh, it runs out this Friday, that extension. So... I mean, the first thing that I'd like to ask if you know or if you're allowed to say is, do you think that extension, uh, if no agreements reach one way or the other, might be extended further? Or do you think they would start talking to other potential bidders? Um, I'm not sure at the moment. I spoke to the administrators last week and um, part of that discussion was about whether it might be time to start talking to other bidders as well. It's my strong view that that would be helpful given how long this has gone on. Um, My understanding is that the state of play with the EFL is that they requested more information, um, both about the budget um, from the proposed bidders and also from about the background of some of the um, individuals involved as well. Um, that, That information was sent over last Thursday and there was a meeting this week between the EFL and the Spanish consortium. Um, uh, But as yet, no decision has been made and that this could go on for some considerable time. That's something that the EFL have made clear to me and to others. Um, And given that the club uh, has taken a real hit while we've been in administration, we've seen a lot of players sold, we've seen a lot of assets sold, we're still racking up running costs while we're in administration it would be in everyone's interest, I think, for the exclusivity period to end and for the administrators to consider other options. But they're reluctant to do so. And um, at the current time, what they'd like to see is the EFL just approve the deal. I just don't see any prospect of that happening in the very near future. Right, yeah. Well, I've been uh, looking at an article, Paul Kendrick from the beginning, being posted for today, and I'll, I'll talk about some of the other points in, in a moment. But... One of the things he, he said that um, one of the administrators, Paul Stanley, who is, uh, you know, he, I think he's based down at the DW Stadium, uh, has made it clear he won't have talks with other potential bidders until the EFL makes a decision or the Spanish pull out. Um, looking in from the sidelines, uh, for me, it sounds like that might be, uh, there might be some penalty clause in there or something like that that's holding the administrators back I know you might not want to comment on that uh, but 
uh, if you can. <laughs> These are some penalty cards that's tying the administrator's hands and they don't want to get involved or get caught with anything financially. I, mean, I, think, I think to be fair to them, they are very concerned that there have been a lot of bidders coming through this process over the past few months. I've met and spoken to lots of them and the administrators obviously have too. Some of them aren't uh, just aren't viable when you look into it. So they're not realistic bids. And I think they just feel very concerned that this has dragged on for quite a long time and that if the Spanish consortium are rejected or they walk away from that, that they may end up with very few or no options. So I think there's a there's a desire that they have to get this done, um, a concern about about the fact that whether other bidders are sort of um a sort of a realistic or credible option because obviously another bid even if the administrators accepted it it still have to get through the EFL test so I think to be fair to them that concern is is real the difficulty as well though is that the the deal that was done with the Spanish consortium means that they are liable for the operating costs for the club from the date that the deal was done so October from the 1st of October and if the administrators walk away from that, my understanding is that they are then stuck with the running costs for the club for October and November. So um, the, the question is, is that either are the administrators willing to meet those costs themselves? And I don't think that they are. And if they're not, then is another bidder um, willing to come in and, and meet those costs as well? And that's the sort of conversation that um, is ongoing at the moment. I mean, the administrators are very clear that they're not going to talk to anybody else while the exclusivity period is is live. But as you said, it expires on Friday. And I've certainly made representations to the administrators that I think it would be useful if they paused at that point and had a conversation with other bidders to see if we can unlock this. I mean, it's sort of, we're just stuck really. That If the EFL don't make a decision and the administrators insist on extending exclusivity and um meanwhile the club continues to to rack up costs running costs smaller smaller than than april obviously smaller than earlier this year but still quite significant we could just end up in a situation where we see this continuing attrition and i just don't want us to be in that situation so I and a handful of others are just working very, very hard to try and get conversations going again. But I feel, if I sound a bit flat, it's because it's just been the most frustrating experience. You know, we're in, where are we now? We're in November. We just should not be here. We should not still be in administration. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, talking about the Spanish Consortium, they, they've uh, put some quotes out to Paul in the post. Uh, and they, they said there is a plan to run the business in a certain way. Now, uh, there's no explanation what that certain way is, but this is also a very difficult year where the income is going to be very much reduced. I mean, that's something that we all know. So, uh, I mean, the rumours are going around about some, you know, doing wage cuts across the board and, and, and stuff like that. And also John Sheridan was offered a contract at half his, uh, half his salary that he were on, you know, if he stayed till the end of the season. So it's like, it seems like a, a, a really, uh, cost-cutting exercise if they are going to come in. So that makes you start thinking, have they got the sort of finances to be able to run it? Then they further said that they've shown that they have £5 million. Uh, and, if, if it, and they also said if it takes one week, two weeks or two months, 
they are happy to see the process through. So it's certainly like they're quite content just to sit there in this exclusivity period, waiting for the EFL to make a decision. And, and they're not going to budge. Um, it's like a game of poker, looking from the outside, who's going to blink first, you know. It's The impression I get from the Spanish consortium is that they are really frustrated with how long the process is taking. Um, I mean, they... They, they were absolutely clear with us that they that they have the money. Um, they own a number of other clubs, uh, much smaller clubs, I think, but but a number of other clubs um, over in Spain, and um, they they very much said that they could do this with or without the support the money from the supporters club. I guess some of the concerns that I've raised with them, having met them now twice, once in person and once via Zoom, are around whether some of the projections in the budget make sense. Um, one of the first things that happened was that staff were contacted and told that they had to take a pay cut. Um, that's obviously of real concern. It's not that anybody's arguing that we don't need to adjust our expectations. I think all of the fans, all of the staff have have had to do that. We've all had to do that since the start of the year when this all happened. But um, for the first thing that you do to say to a lot of very good long-standing staff members, you, 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 you've got to take a budget cut, does set alarm bells ringing, both about how the staff are being treated, um, which I've had a number of them contact me about it, really very upset about it, but also considering other options, some of them, where they've got them. Um, so we could lose very good people. But it also sets alarm bells ringing because you wonder why you would have to do that as your first action um, if if the finances are there. And that is a concern that I've raised directly with the Spanish consortium. I'd be amazed if the EFL aren't raising that concern with them as well. So the, the EFL are in regular dialogue then with, with them? Yeah, as I understand it, it's um, it's constant. So there's there's been several meetings, several conversations, a lot of backwards and forwards of requesting more information. I know that they requested more information about the budget and the projections in the budget. And one of the things that concerned me was that the budget was based on the idea, as I understand it, of of staff taking a pay cut, but that was before staff had actually agreed to a pay cut. Um, so, you know, th- there are things that are of concern. Now, whether the Spanish consortium can iron those out, I'm not sure. I said to them when I first met them, look, I'll welcome anyone who comes in with the best of intentions to save this club. But um, I think it, given everything that's happened to us, I think it's absolutely right that the supporters club, myself, the council and the EFL are asking quite probing questions because my big worry about all of it, all the way through this, is that we might end up in a situation like Berry, where we go from one bad owner to another. And by the time you come out the other side of that, that it's too complicated to unpick it. And, you know, basically you lose your club. And it, it always seemed realistic to me that we could save the club and find a new buyer, but we've got to make sure that it's the right buyer. And I think, you know, I know that it's difficult for prospective bidders coming in to hear that, but it's the only responsible thing to do in this circumstance. Yeah, as, as a supporter and looking at it and being involved in it and, and, and fretting every day and getting worried and concerned, uh, my concern is if if we got the wrong owners and we were thrown back into administration, say, six to 12 months down the line, then that will be it. There'll be no... Because... 
everybody would be so tired and exhausted, we'd be drained with it. I mean, would the fight be there to try and save the club again? I don't know. I don't think so. And like you say, it, it's so imperative that not only do we get new ones, but we make sure that they are the right ones for us. I think, like from my point of view, whatever happens, we will still be here and we'll still be fighting for the club. That's not going to stop. It's just that we shouldn't we shouldn't need to get into that situation. Um, and the, like the next few weeks are obviously critical to make sure that we get the right decision about the new owners. Um, and if it's not right for the club, then there are. There are at least three options that I'm aware of. Uh, there are two other potential bidders. I can't vouch for them, but I have met with one and um, I've got the details of the other bid. Um, and obviously there's always the option as well of the supporters club um, uh, with backing from the council. And that's something that we have very much kept alive over the last few months because we've always been aware that that may be where we end up it it may be a long-term solution or it may just be a short-term solution to help us stabilize things and then and look look for an alternative buyer so that the fans are much more in the driving seat of what happens next but in any case that would be a good option as far as I'm concerned I think Adam might have something to say about that as well well before he comes in uh, that's right at the start of it one of the things that uh, was banded about from from the supporters club and others was the Portsmouth model who was in administration for a year, and then the, the supporters trust stepped up and took control of the club uh, and stabilised everything. And then they, they brought in uh, a decent owner who, and they started to move forward again now. So, yeah, I mean, for me, that would be a very sensible sensible way to go. Adam? We met, we met with Portsmouth, um, who were enormously helpful to us in thinking through how you do it. We've, one of the things that's been amazing to me about all of this is that, like, obviously the rivalry in football, football is legendary but clubs from all over the country have just been so generous giving like time and support and advice and you know advice about what not to do as well as what to do I mean a lot of the help that I had in the early days came from people like James Frith who was the MP over in Bury when Bury went under and he gave me brilliant advice about what he would do differently if he had the time again like people have just been incredible really and in sharing our fundraising appeal and and everything else and it definitely shows you that there are options there are always options and we're just we're not gonna you know for all the frustration the fact that we're in November and we're still here we are not going to let this club fail it is just not going to happen and there's enough people who care about it enough who are willing to work hard enough to make sure that it doesn't happen yeah did you want to come in Adam yeah thanks Barry um yeah so obviously echo what um Lisa said on that point really because um obviously we've had the Ash from Ashley from Portsmouth on haven't we and he's he's been he's been really really good with us helping us along um I think building on what Barry's just said before uh in relation to the football league, sort of being in constant dialogue with the uh, with the Spanish, my con- my concern in the background running through this is that it, it's it's a game of politics uh, in the sense of the EFL. Obviously, what's happened over the last sort of eighteen months in terms of you look at the Bolton situation, you look at the Berry situation, you look at obviously our, our situation. Um, clearly, there was an issue. As we all know, we don't. We might not. We we might never know the real answer to the Al Young takeover from Stanley Choi. Who knows? But um, clearly, there was an issue there with approval. We had. You've already alluded to the issue with Berry. 
So my, my concern is that the EFL will want to be seen to be being digital, uh, diligent in the way that they're actually dealing with this. The administrators are always protected by the fact at the moment they can say, well, it's in the hands of the EFL. And I, I just, at the moment, I can't see how this, how, how we're going to break this stalemate. It, it just seems to me that we are in, uh, we are in a stalemate. And, and, and it's, to me, it's, it's political more than legal now at this stage because we, we know what the framework is. It's clear. It's a two-stage test, the fit and proper persons uh, and the proof of funded. Well, if these guys are claiming they've got the proof of funded, I'm sure by now they would have been able to check whether they've had insolvency events or criminal convictions attached to them. So I, my concern is we're just, in a, we're just floating into a, in, in this stalemate and, and, and I, I, I'm just wondering how we're going to get out of it. I think from from my point of view, we've sort of gone round this. So you, you've, I mean, that's the problem in a nutshell. You're totally right, Adam. And we've gone round this a bit over the past few weeks. The, there are two ways of breaking the stalemate. I think one is that the EFL makes a decision, um, and that you know either unlocks the potential of the administrators talking to to the alternative bidders, or go ahead with the sale. The the other alternative is that the administrators agree to end the exclusivity period which expires on Friday they could do that and they could start talking to other prospective bidders and that might um, make uh, make get us to a place where we've made sufficient progress um, I've been trying to sort of do both really so talking to the EFL to see if we can get a decision and talking to the administrators and those prospective bidders to see if we can overcome some of the reluctance um, to, um, to to start talking seriously to others and exploring alternatives, um, but in the end, you're right. It's gonna somebody's gonna have to move at some point, um, and it's not at all clear at this stage to me how that's you know who's going to do that first. Nevertheless, we've had we've had bad moments. It's been like a roller coaster the last few months. There've been moments where it looked like everything was coming together and then it fell apart and. You know, we've had bad moments before and we've put our collective heads together and worked out what to do to keep us still in business and keep going. And um, I'm sure that we'll find a way to crack this. It's just very difficult at the moment to see who's going to move first. Yeah. And, and in terms of the, you know, the, the supporters, the supporters led bid, which for me, if that can be done, what that brings you then is that control over who the next owner is. On you can be you can be subjective, you can look at the criteria, you can look at what the business plan is. In essence, it was supposedly what was done with the with the handover to um, IEC because that took ages for the, uh, Whelan and, and Cork, Gary Cork, who was involved and and Sharp to try and get the right owners over a long period of time. It gives you it gives you the choice to uh, of honour in terms of what you want the club to be in the future. The problem in administration is the administrators just basically want rid of the club. As long as they get the as long as they get the money in, then it's over to the EFL. Now they've accepted the bid, but the administrators are happy with the bid. So it's now it's it's now in the hands of the EFL. And the problem with the EFL is, as we've already said. There isn't that level of subjectivity, so it's 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 these objective criteria, which makes it a lot harder for them to reject than it would if we were out of administration. So, 
I know it's difficult to get a sort of a fans on ownership model in place. It's not easy without having the funds for the operating costs, but I don't know. That, that that might be the only way out of it at the moment. I, I mean, I, I increase. I've increasingly come to the view that that is the way out of this because it gets you around the problem of, of EFL approval as well. Um, one of the things the administrators are nervous about is that if they go with another bidder, um, does do you just land back where you started in a process of trying to persuade the EFL to approve for several months? And I think you know. I've, I've been critical of the administrators at points in this process, but I think that is that is definitely it's fair for them to consider that. The the EFL would almost certainly be very positive about a supporters club bid. And given that the council has been very helpful at, at showing some support for that, you know, it doesn't even need to be a, a loan. One of the things we've been talking to them about is just a facility that we could draw upon should we need it. Um, it seems to me that the fit and proper persons test wouldn't be a problem and that the financial side of it, thanks to the generosity of a lot of people who put up a lot, you know, put up as much as they could afford, we, we can actually do that. So, you know, it feels to me that if we could get to a place where the supporters club were ready to take that on and the administrators would accept it, we would be in a much better position, like you said, because then fans will be in the driving seat and we'd have some, options i do think the administrators are open to that um we talked to them last week about that because we've kept that option alive we've worked up quite a as you know big sort of quite a comprehensive model of how that would work with support from other clubs like portsmouth that, that were mentioned earlier um so we are pretty much ready to go with that should we need to and that's not to to put off any potential buyers you know if there's a, a buyer who's got money to put into the club and has the best interests of the club at heart then that would obviously be a really good outcome but I think I'm increasingly coming to the view that you're right and that this is this is the way that we're going to unlock it. Barry do you want to come back again? Questions for me? Uh, no that's I think Lucia's uh, answered enough I think we've put under enough pressure uh, she's been fantastic so thank you Lisa. Last point, please. Oh yeah, sure. Um, would that require the administrators to be to break the deadlock in the sense of removing the exclusivity and then talking to the supporters' club led bid? Yeah, so the, the, it's that same problem, is it really to some degree? Um, yeah, it is. Although I think it takes away some of their concerns because they obviously know that that we're serious about it, that we're not just wasting people's time and they they've also they've they've had good sight of the financials so they're they're aware that the money the 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 budget sort of stacks up um and that the efl would likely uh, approve it if we could demonstrate that we had sufficient funds to get us through so i think i think that it's a it takes. It doesn't take away all the problems, right? It does require them to to move away from the exclusivity period and say they're not going to extend it again. It does require some kind of agreement about the October and November operating costs. But it it so it doesn't take away everything, but it does take away a lot of their concerns, which is why I think it's the best prospect, like Adam said, of of unlocking this. Yeah, genuine, genuine viable alternative, isn't it? Yeah. 
Um, anyway, I was just going to say thanks for having me on again, and hopefully we'll get to a point sometime soon when you don't need to anymore. <laughs> we can, you can go back to just talking about football. Well, yeah, but you know, you're you're always welcome. Um, Boss of the league, it's a good distraction. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether it's good, but uh, no, thank you for for taking your time out this evening to to join us on the podcast. And um, you know, we, we would like to speak to you again, even when the takeover goes through, because there may be a bit more that you can say um, at that point about the process and. Um, but thank you for all the work that you're doing uh, behind the scenes. I don't think uh, the fans really know what's going on behind the scenes and the work that people are necessarily putting in. Um, and I think sometimes you think the silence is a bit, you know, unnerving. But it, it's reassuring to know that you know yourselves and, and others uh, are putting the work in. So thank you very much um, for all that. Oh, cheers! Thanks. Thanks, Lisa. Thank okay, you very much. Very much, Lisa. Cheers. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Right then, um, from one special guest to a bit of an advert for uh, another special guest that we had on earlier today on on Wednesday, um, Emil Heskey. I've listened to this clip. It was it was more it was more out of desperation to actually want to win the game. Um, at the end of the day, we're in it together. We want to. We no one wants to lose, and we want. We were trying to. We were trying to. We were fighting to survive. So. Inevitably, I was there heading the ball. When the ball comes in, and this is one thing that I, 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 I like to do. I like to head the ball. So when it came into my hair, I made sure I got my hair on it. I made sure that I made sure I was the one winning it. Then, then whenever it came near my feet, I was clearing it because I just wanted. To, again, it was just that passion to actually go and win. And this is what we all thrive for day in, day out when we're in training. And this is what we battle for. So we 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 battled the for a long and hard season to get ourselves in that position. And, we were, and I wasn't prepared to give it away. So I was just getting my head on everything. Just wanted to head everything and, and, and kick everything. So if you want to catch that Emil Heskey podcast, it's available on our Buzzsprout site. It's on Spotify. It's on our Twitter page. It's on Facebook. And it's on iTunes. Anywhere that you can get your podcast, you can have a listen to that one. Spoke very well, didn't you, lads, um, Emil, uh, this morning? Uh, took a lot of time out to discuss. He, I think he, in the end, was late for training, Barry. Um, yeah, he was. Um, I think that we were speaking there about the Sheffield United game at Bramall Lane, the uh, 2007 one. And something that I, I got from from listening to, I don't know if Adam felt the same, um, what an attitude, what a great attitude that lad has. And you can understand how he's been so so successful within his career. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think I think the point when I was asking him about certain positions. I mean, we we've seen players before, haven't we? You, who sulk if the if they're not playing in the so-called position they want to play in. Whereas he just said, "I'll play anywhere if it's for the good of the team." And my aim on that day is to win my own particular battle. And that, and that, and that's that, that. I thought that's that's fantastic attitudes to have, and that's that's why he was so popular amongst uh, other players. Yeah, I'm glad that we had him. I'm glad that we had him for a few years at Wigan. Absolutely superb, uh, Paul. That'll be one for you to listen. Uh, yeah, definitely. On your commute from your bedroom to your, your office at home. Um, well, yeah. I was I was painting skirting boards earlier tonight, so yeah, it'll be next time I'm doing something similar. Yeah. Um, thank you to James Edwards at Leicester City Football Club for uh, arranging it for us. Um, those who know James, he uh, worked at um, Wigan um, 
for, for many a year. Uh, right then, we're currently a club without a manager. And uh, John Sheridan left the club um, following the Tranmere game. Um, he's on a month-to-month contract um, and has joined Swindon Town on a, a permanent deal. You can't blame him for that. And I think we'd uh, like to... A prediction was correct, wasn't it, last week, Si? A prediction, remember I said, will, will we have new owners? We said no. Will we have... Uh, will John Sheridan have gone? And we said yeah, didn't we? Well, so. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to run you through the uh, the manager odds, OK? Um, the top ones that are on... It's <laughs> The website's called The Sack Race. Um, make, make of that what, what you will. Um, current favourite for the job is... It's a long way up, actually. There's some names in here that I want to pull out. Liam, Liam Richardson, um, obviously uh, currently still at, at Wigan. Gary Caldwell, who was at Party Thistle last time out. Steve Cottrell, who was at Burnham City. Graham Alexander, Salford City. Nigel Adkins, Hull City. Saul Campbell, South End. Paul Heckingbottom, Hibernian. Paul Ince, who was at Blackpool. Paul Tisdale, Gary Bolia, Danny Cowley, Ian Dawes, Simon Grayson, Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank. I mean, some of these are getting our starting 11 at the minute. Uh, John McGreal, who was at Colchester. Kevin Nolan, that's a big no from me. Uh, Nigel Pearson, Keith Hill, Michael Jolly. Nigel Pearson. Mickey Flynn <laughs> at Newport. Robbie Fowler. Paul Jewell. 25 to 1, you can get on Paul Jewell. But there was a name that as I was, I was scrolling through that uh, really um, took me by surprise. And he's at 33 to 1. Former player. Have a guess. Gary Robert. Robin Jones. Jones, Paul. No idea. Gary Teal. Has he got managerial experience? Well, no, no. And my dad my dad's face has just said it all. Um he's coaching somewhere at the moment, since eh? Didn't did little tell us last week. Yeah, and I, I've I've been in contact with um, representatives of Gary's. Um, uh, he's doing some, you know, some soccer coaching, um, uh, football coaching. Let's get it right, football coaching across across the world. Um, who would you like to have in, guys? Paul, I'll start with you, and don't give us a, a sit on the fence answer. If you could have one manager in now, who would it be? Uh, I'd have Paul Cook back. Paul Cook, fair enough, fair enough, Adam. Well, I think you've also got to temper that with an element of realism, or I'll just say, let's have Jurgen Jürgen <laughs> Klopp. Let's get Jurgen Klopp in. Um, out of the ones that you mentioned, I think the best for us who would be achievable, I think, to get would be Nigel Adkins. Yeah, I'd like Adkins. What about you, Barry? Um, You're quite vocal. At this moment, this moment in time, I don't think anybody touches, to be honest. No, um, well, that's, but we have to answer. You're not allowed to sit on the fence. All no. right. Okay. All been set um, on the fence. Um, Graham Alexander. Graham Alexander. Got to go, go around the group again. Paul, are you glad John Sheridan's gone? Uh, I couldn't care less, to be honest. 
Fair enough. And neither could he. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I, he, he's, if he'd have shaped up a bit, he'd have been all right. But he just he was there for a, a short-term contract and off he trotted, wasn't he? Yeah. Adam, same for you? Uh, not overly disappointed, no. I mean, did I think he did a terrible job? No, not really. Uh, I, I, I don't hold any animosity towards him at all. Um, but he's moved on and I don't think we'll be any worse off that with him with him moving on. So whether we'll be any better off, because we can't really be worse off, can we? Because we're out of the bottom. So. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, and Barry, same same question to you. Well, the rumour is that uh, Liam Richardson took the training, worked on the tactics, did the team talk, picked the team. Uh, as we saw, uh, give the talk at half time or at uh, the end of against Charlie, the end of full time and, and half time there. And Sheridan was only brought in to do the press conferences and he spent most of his time lent in, his, uh, lent in the dugout. Uh, so, absolutely. What was the question? Yes, 100%. 100%. Because we're paying him a wage which we didn't need to pay. Yeah. Okay, well, um, there might be some movements on that, I think, as and when things develop with a proposed takeover. Um, not really much more we can talk about, really, on the manager situation is that we've not got a manager. Um, you know, there's a couple of people who said they'd work for free. It's been well documented. Um, I know uh, Paul Kendrick wrote about Gary Caldwell um, open to return, and I know we touched on that last week. Um, the EFL, they featured heavily in tonight's podcast, uh, have today said that from Friday at noon until the end of the season, teams will be permitted to make five substitutes. What are your guys' views on that? Why? Well, it Why? builds on what Barry said last week, but what Barry was talking about last week, uh, or wanted to raise as an issue last week about basically the big six running football, you know, and that, you know, they were coming out with all these injuries and it was always going to happen. As soon as the Premier League moved to five subs, it was always going to happen. The EFL just followed, didn't they? They did it last time, you know, the championship followed the Premier League last time. So it won't favour us in any way, shape or form. It will favour Side who have got more players in the squad that they can utilise. We, we, you know, we can barely make a bench. There's a new player on bench every week for us. I've never heard of. <laughs> I watched the youth team last season, and I'm still, still someone I've not heard of. So it's harder. Know. It's harder to catch a big team on an off day if they can change half the team for a different set of superstars halfway through the game. So absolutely favouring the big teams. Yeah. Well, and it's going to be interesting to see how it be used. Um, maybe it worked to our advantage um, in the end of last season. Who, I don't think yeah. we used it much, though, sided with. No, I, remember. I don't think we used five very often. I think, it's, I think as well what I found was it was rare that we used even three substitutes, um, you know, fully, um, unless it was for, you know, game management more. Um, but, yeah, see how it plans out. And it... The bonus is we it gives some of the younger players who are on the bench, who may not be part of the the three subs to come on, kind of, um, you know, because you, you tend to know who you're going to bring on when, don't you? If if everything's going to according to plan, 
it gives two other players their chance to make a name for themselves. So we'll see. How I we'll... think it's an personally an integrity issue again. We're changing the rules in the middle of a competition. Well, yeah. We're basically, we're having we're having COVID tests galore and, and games getting cancelled galore. To me, talking about the integrity of the competition, there there is no integrity in this in the competition. They're just playing for entertainment, aren't they? To try and keep keep people's spirits up. Which if, if they came out and said that, but you know, it's usual. There's that, and obviously the 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 money that they're getting from Sky is the other one. Yeah. But there's no integrity in the leagues. They're just skewed now by you know people testing positive, games getting cancelled. You know that crew game against us should have should have been cancelled. Well, that's it, and you know it's partly the reason that we've not um, reviewed a game this week because our game against AFC Wimbledon at the New Plough Lane was uh, cancelled. Might be a bonus for us uh, football fans because we might get a trip down to Plough Lane in the new year, um, which would be very nice, you know, to go down there to a new ground and what have you on a, on a Tuesday night. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but that being said, we do have a game this weekend. Interestingly enough, it comes after, uh, two days after, a game at the DW uh, for the Wigan Warriors, who are playing in their semi-final of Super League to get into the grand final. There is a game, uh, so there'll be a game in two days, so I'll be interested to see how the pitch uh, fares in this uh, horrible time of year. The referee for the game against Oxford United on Saturday is Paul Howard from London. It's his first season in the Football League. Um, now that, again is it, it's a common theme, isn't it, Barry? I was saying this to you the other day, that we're getting a lot of these referees who are, you know, in their infancy of uh, league football uh, refereeing, aren't they? Yeah, and uh, Mr. Howard, I mean, he's only, he's, he's had one game at league one level, uh, Peterborough, Burton Albion, two apiece, uh, <clears throat> and the rest have been spread, spread between uh, league two, the trophy, and, and he had one FA Cup game as well, Oxford City. But he seems quite handy with the old cards. He, uh, 10 games, 33 yellows and two reds already. He's issued two red cards. So, uh, and last season, uh, in the, uh, in when he was in the, what's it, is it the conference? National League. He had a similar sort of, sort of record then of... Uh, Two reds every ten games, so um, but, it, but he only looks quite young. So I couldn't find his age out, but I, I reckon he's in his twenties. He might be one of these that they've got their eye on and they want a fast track. So we'll see what he's like on on Saturday. Yeah, well, you know, speaking of Saturday, we've previously played Oxford ten times. We've won six, drawn one, and lost three. We've not lost against Oxford since the third of September. Um, not always remember. Well, you Barry, why's that? That's the song, Simon. All right, okay. Did you not actually tell us the year, Si? You just said the 3rd of September. What year was it? 1983. So that might make sense now. <laughs> you said we've not lost them since the 3rd of September. Well, we, well, we haven't. Uh, yeah, 1983. We've won the last six meetings. I remember seeing Adam in a daft uh, Christmas jumper down at uh, the Kassam uh, a few years back. Um, it worked, didn't it? It was a lucky jumper. It was, yeah. I would say you were slightly intoxicated at the time as well. No, you know I wouldn't do that. It's a criminal offence to enter a football ground whilst drunk. I don't, I don't know. I think you entered it sober. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adam, have you got um, a friend who uh, can talk us through the game? Or 
preview it for us? Yeah, probably an acquaintance, uh, given the fact I sent the first message to him uh, on Monday. I'm not quite sure he's a friend yet, but um, yeah, it's um, Andrew Webster. It's not the Andrew Webster who uh, played centre-half for Latics and had a blinder against Bolton uh, all those years ago. Uh, but he's a long-standing Oxford United fan and he's uh, going to give us uh, a little bit of a preview of the big match on Saturday. Hi, my name's Andrew Webster. Um, been an Oxford United fan now for nearly 40 years. Um, season ticket holder. I've watched every game this season on iFollow, like most other people would have done. Um, been asked to answer a few questions, so here we go. Current thoughts on the team and the gaffer, um, and how we're doing. Not very well. Uh, we're really quite struggling. Uh, it's just not flowing. Selling Rob Dickey at the end of the season was a massive loss. So was losing Shandon Baptiste and Tarek Fossu back in January, really, and never replacing them properly just with lone players, who were outstanding and got us to the playoffs, I know. I will say that had the season not been curtailed due to coronavirus, I do think the form we were showing and the way we were going, I think we'd have either gone up automatically or we would have won the playoffs. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, I'm behind Robinson. I think he knows what he wants to do. My only problem with him is sometimes it's tactically... We've been found out, effectively, and there's no plan B. Sometimes there's no plan C. He doesn't change the formation. It's At some points, we're screaming out with the personnel we got to play a 3-5-2, but he won't do it. It's always four at the back, three in midfield, three up front, or five in midfield and one up front, however you want to do it. Matty Taylor is just isolated. There is... It's just, he's isolated up there on his own. There's, I don't know quite what we're going to do and how he's going to do it, but something needs to change fairly soon. Um, probably my biggest gripe of the season so far is as he persists playing Eastwood in goal. Um... He is a liability on many levels, I feel, and cost us the playoff final, and he's cost us games this season, notably Fleetwood. Um, so, yeah, that's where I stand with that. Um, best player at the moment, currently, um, I'll probably get shot down in flames for this, but our best player, I would say, is Matty Taylor. Um, he needs a service, he needs somebody with him, he needs support, but he is a superb finisher um, we've got a lot of good young players coming through um, without a doubt um, there are several you could probably mention but one of the youngsters in particular that I like is um, Malachi Napper but he's currently injured um, the guy's got a lot going for him um, if he can stay injury free now you asked the best Wigan Oxford game um I haven't got one, a favourite Oxford game, really, versus Wigan. It's been a long time since we've beaten you. I think you've won six on the bounce. So the game I shall remember, remember, for all the wrong reasons, was the 7-0 drubbing you gave us at our place. The year, I believe, you bought Shay Dunkley off us too. Um, you had Will Gregg, um, Max Power. Uh, you had, your team was something else. and I think you, I think you went on and romped the league that year, but it was something else. You, I, don't, I haven't seen a team turn us over like that. Not on our own ground, anyway. Um, you asked me about the favourite Oxford player ever. Um, that's really hard to narrow it down to one player. But i, I got to go back to when I started going to watch Oxford. And he was just, at the time, it was just a hero of mine, really. And that was Billy Hamilton, the Northern Ireland international. 
and to see him scoring in the World Cup on TV as well made it even better. I think knowing that he was an Oxford player and you know we didn't really have internationals playing for us. John Aldridge and Joey Beecham are two other names that you can chuck into that hat, but I think ultimately I'd say it was um, Billy Hamilton, the centre forward. And a prediction for Saturday. Um, I'm not going to lie, I don't know what your current form's like. I haven't seen much of how you're getting on, but if we play like we did last night, which was the 2-0 loss against Crewe, um, that's probably the worst performance I've seen under Carl Robinson. So if it carries on like that and he can't turn it round and we can't actually find a way of playing like we were playing, I think it should be a comfortable home win for you guys. But I'm hoping that during this week he's fired a rocket up them, uh, realised just how bad they were. Um, let's show a bit of pride. Let's show some passion and desire to actually play and play like we did last season. If he can get it going again, then it'll be a tighter game. And what with a local derby against Swindon coming up in uh, the following weekend, it will be, you know, that if that don't fire him up to be wanting to be in the team and in the squad for that, then I don't know what will be. But either way, I no doubt it'll be a good footballing game because both teams are good footballing sides. So um, I hope that ultimately the result comes out our way. Thank you very much. Yeah, very interesting that. I actually asked him for his favourite ever Oxford versus Wigan Athletic game and he really struggled and he just said, I'm just going to say the most memorable instead and went for the 7-0. Uh, um, he doesn't seem too happy with the Oxford this season. Um, I mean, I, I thought they'd be up there because they, they, they finished in the playoffs last year, didn't they? And, and he thinks that if they had to stop playing, they probably would have got automatic promotion. So... I think they're way below where they'd be expected to, expected to be. Um, so, based on his pessimism, I'm going for a 2 0 win. Paul, what about yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, then they're, they're bottom out, they're nearly as bad as we are. Um, we've got rid of that manager that wasn't managing. At least now we've got somebody who wants to manage, although, albeit he doesn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll be a slightly more pessimistic than Adam and go 1-0. Um, going um, well, Kurt, Curtis is definitely back. Curtis Lint on, on, on Saturday. I've seen him in training. I'm just hoping we might see Cal, Cal back in there. Um, if so... Will, Will, Will Keane's available, isn't he? Yeah, if that's the case, I can see us winning, uh, to be honest. I, I think he'll be... Well, we'll concede. 2-1. Two, 2-1. One. Two, one. Fair enough. Right. Has anyone got anything else they'd like to bring to the table? Uh, we've spoilt podcast people tonight, haven't we? Um, with, uh, with two Only one, Just one quick one. Just on something follow-up from what Heskey said before about our loan player from Leicester. Oh, Dan um, Johnson. Yeah, gave, gave him a good... Uh, yeah, gave him a good review, didn't he? So it'd be nice to see him back soon. Uh, playing in the uh, in the blue of Wigan. Absolutely. Right then, well, uh, that's enough of us for this uh, this Wednesday. Uh, don't forget you can listen to that Emil Heskey special. It's available anytime on demand, whenever you want to listen to it. It'll be there, along with the special as well with Sir Andrew Level Little. Well, without further ado, it's a good night from me. Good night, Up the ticks.